Okay, I'm ready when you are. Hello and welcome everybody to the Cyberpunk Monk Podcast. I am your host, Connor the Cyberpunk Monk Besh, and this week I am joined by my co-host, Aroa. Say I, hi, Aroa. I said hi, it's, I'm saying it, here I am. This is episode 368 of the Reaton Entertainment Podcast for Sunday, September 18th, 2022. Now you might be asking yourself, where is that Reaton guy that you speak of? Well, uh, he's, he's in the basement. We, I, I tricked him. I, I put a box and I had some candy going up to it. Now he's stuck in the basement and I'm the one who's free. Finally, now, the turns have tabled. That, that's not really what happened. He is working out in, I think, Portland, he said. So he is unavailable to record his own Ding Dang podcast. But luckily, he's got good friends who are, uh, well, let, let, let's be honest, have nothing else better to do on a Sunday, who are able to fill that slot for him. So, before we proceed, I want to ask my co-host Aroa, who are you, where can we find you, and what have you been playing this week? Uh, I'm me. You can go to aroa.website. It's a website that uh, should should still work, I think. Yeah. Uh, and I have played uh, not not a ton, but a little more than usual. I tried out a uh, game that's kind of, kind of making the rounds on the, on the social medias, uh, called Hamster Playground. It's a very cute, surprisingly well animated game. Um, it's kind of a, a, a very lightweight experience. I, w- I was hoping for more out of it, to be honest. Uh, essentially the. The gist is you are racing other hamsters through uh, one of three different types of courses. One is a traditional maze. One is a skateboard race track, and I don't remember what the third one is. I don't even I don't even remember if I played it. But um, the actual gameplay just is more or less summed up as uh, you press press the left mouse button whenever the thing goes over the green area that's it which is Sounds like engaging gameplay yeah it's uh so it, it's kind of like do you remember chow races in sonic adventure 2 hell yeah i remember chow races in sonic adventure 2 it's it's that but um you just a different kind of tamagotchi yeah like it, there's there's not really as much involvement in terms of raising the chow slash hamster. Um, you they, they do have stats. They have four different stats, and you raise them by essentially clicking on the thing that you want to raise, and then the hamster does a cute animation, and then the point goes up. Hooray! So it's uh, yeah, it's not all that involved. 
I was really hoping for more of a minigame type experience. I don't know where I got that idea, but that's what I thought it was going to be. It's not. It's not at all. It's just click the button. So I think they did that because they want it to be on mobile devices, which it, it very much feels like a mobile game. Are you playing uh, it on Steam or something like that? I, I was kind of under the impression this was a mobile game. No, this is this is a free-to-play game on Steam. Uh, ah, yes, the third game type is Eating Contest. Um, but ultimately, it doesn't matter. All three are exactly the same. I think they, they utilize different stats uh, on your hamster, so maybe that's where the difference comes in. But I cannot fathom why anyone would, say, pay money into this because there are microtransactions they're not really necessary they're just uh for outfits for your hamsters and like there's this weird very lightweight sims experience where you have to feed and water and entertain your hamster outside of doing the races but again i i don't know why you would really participate in any of that for any extended length of time um yeah so that's pretty much it they, they it's in early access they're planning on adding apparently at least two more mini games but i don't think that's anywhere near enough content to be a worthwhile experience honestly uh which is unfortunate because the animation is honestly like the best hamster animation i think i've ever seen in anything and that includes hamtaro I mean, I can't really think of any hamster-specific animation studios out there, so I guess they got the market cornered. Yeah, indeed. Uh, well, yeah, I did play something a little more interesting, which was uh, the full version of Metal Hellsinger finally came out. Okay. And How are you liking that? That game is amazing. Uh, it's very short, which I think just by virtue of it being an indie game, kind of is gonna have to be because not only is it an indie game but they have like music produced by different people uh very famous people in some cases uh for every level so like that that's gonna explode in terms of cost very quickly so uh yeah it's really really fun time the there's there's some finickiness with audio latency, but that's because of playing on, on PC and especially with my setup where I've got like eight virtual sound devices that the game has to run its audio through and it's all, it's very jank in terms of that, but that's not the game's fault. That's, that's all me. Uh, otherwise though, really engaging uh, there are people on the leaderboards that I think are actual machines. There's no way that any human could do these things, but that's always how that goes. Um, $30, I think, is a pretty fair price for it. And I'm uh, very hopeful to see if they make like a sequel or something, because it'd be really cool to have this concept just kind of expanded over time. Even even if it was DLC, I, I would definitely buy DLC for it. For, this game um do you think it has the player base to justify that that i i don't know for sure i know that people were pretty excited for it generally um but whether or not that turned into paying customers 
who knows. Uh, it does seem to have... It's got 2.2 thousand reviews on Steam, which that's... That's, that's a lot. Yeah, that's a pretty good number. And you got to figure that people who actually post reviews on Steam, that's like a fraction of a fraction of your player base generally. So that's uh, that's a good sign. And the fact that it was published by Funcom is very surprising to me because they're like I don't know they I, I guess they they've gotten into just kind of publishing weird shit and this is definitely a weird fucking game other than uh, there was uh what was it BPM bullets per minute that came out I want to say a year or two ago I kind of remember that one very much the same concept just with uh kind of music that almost sounds like it could be royalty free metal music that you use on youtube or something and the whole game is a roguelike so the the difficulty balancing is very off uh metal hell singer is very much a linear shooter uh it, it very much feels like doom a lot of the time uh, especially because you, the, one of the main loops in the gameplay is to uh, finish off enemies by pressing the action button once they get down to zero, close to zero health, you know, and it does a cool little finishing move animation. So, yeah. Uh, it's, Good enough it's, to recommend? Yeah, absolutely. It's If you played BPM and you thought maybe that was a bad sign for this genre... Or if you played BPM and you wished that there was a lot more depth to it, then this is definitely that game, I think. And it's just overall that the soundtrack is of very high quality. Uh, even almost made me consider trying to listen to Trivium again, but I don't think I will. So I, I'm not familiar with Trivium. Did they also publish that? No, they're uh, they're. Um, one of the singer from Trivium is the singer for one of the songs. They have a they have a famous metal singer for each song in the game, which is pretty oh, cool. Metal band true, of course. Yeah. That's neat. Yeah. I haven't gotten to the Surge Tankian level yet, but I'm pretty excited for that. That's great. Um, Was there any other games that you played that uh, worth bringing up? Did you play uh, World of Warcraft? I did play WoW. Uh, I I did play some more Vampire Survivors. I am slowly knocking out each of the unlockables and uh, the secrets. I also played a game called Beautiful Mystic Survivors, which is literally just Vampire Survivors, but with big titty anime girls, uh, which is exactly what I wanted out of life. So I'm, I enjoyed that. Uh, do you recommend that? I, you know, I do. Um, it's, I think it's only in demo form right now. It's not actually available as a full game, but, uh, it adds an active ability, which I think is enough of a change to actually be kind of cool, uh, where each character has a special ability that charges over time and it's kind of your, your overwatch ultimate and it, it changes how you play the game quite substantially. I would like to see something like that implemented in, if not a future Vampire Survivors patch, then in a uh, in a sequel or something. 
I can agree with that. That game sometimes feels its best when I'm standing still and they just can't get close to me. Mm -hmm. And having a little bit of interactability, which is a word that I just made up on the spot, would be a big help to to, to just add a little more engagement. Yeah, the, you can definitely... The, the game almost incentivizes you building up a specific combination of items that essentially turn it into an idle game until you get to minute 30. Uh, and, then, and then the Reaper comes. Uh, yeah. Um, I, how much have you done in Vampire Survivors? Have you finished the game yet? I have not finished the game yet. I am not able to progress further than the milk level, but I think I have gone back and gotten just about all of the secrets on the first two and the, the plant secret map. Okay. Um, that, that is also where I got stuck initially was the milk factory. Um, things get much... It, it, there's there's a lot more to it have you found when you say secrets on the first couple of levels uh does that include the secret items i've gotten both of the they're like people who hide in coffins i'm uh -huh. not sure if that counts as their secret items no um the the four leaf clover the the tobacco leaf or whatever it is i i'm not sure what you're referencing as a secret item that's okay i don't want to spoil it for you because the revelation is quite exciting um, okay. the game just kind of tells you about it once you finish the main quote unquote storyline. Uh, and once you discover that, uh, the way that you play the game completely changes and it's really fucking cool. I'm not gonna, not gonna blow that. So, uh, yeah. Was there any other games or should I move on? No, let's, let's go. We've, we've wasted like 20 minutes on this. That's that's good. It's not wasting it. I am your your host, kind of the cyberpunk monk Besh. And you could find me at a Roadout website. And one of those links that I want to draw your attention to is Rise of the Rune Lords, Clinton's Core Classics, a first edition actual play podcast. And the games that I've played this week is editing my actual play podcast. <laughs> so mo most of the week I was stuck on Audacity, which is not the best for doing anything else. The problem with audio engineering and uh, engineering editing specifically is you, you kind of got to like focus and can't like do other stuff while you're doing it. Not if you want to do it competently. But now that I'm caught up on that, like specifically towards the weekend, I have played a whole bunch of Space Station 13. That game is such a delight. And I've played a whole like 20 minutes of Sleeping Dogs Definitive Edition on Steam Deck. And that game is such a delight, but it's also very old. So I'm not going to talk about it much more than that. That's that's it. Not a lot of video games. Well, now I feel like an asshole. <laughs> it's okay. I I figure uh, I, I I figure it balances out. I, <laughs> I wish I had like great stories to tell about Space Station Thirteen this week. But the most entertaining thing I did is I bought everyone shoes, and then at the last minute I sold everyone shoes and became the most rich clown on the station, which is not saying much. But what else but Space Station Thirteen? Can you do something like that? That's, uh, I'm very much looking forward to whenever they, they finish the Unity port of that and it becomes even more crazy because I'm sure that's going to give them a lot more flexibility. It certainly couldn't become less crazy. And it, it, all of this is on the frameworks of a 2006 atmosphere simulator. So it's, it's a miracle that it's gotten as far as it's gotten so far. Like it it's got such it like it's all front loaded on like how intimidating it is to learn but i can't recommend it enough 
speaking of things that we recommend, do you want to talk about some gaming-related stories this week? Oh, yeah, I guess we could talk about, like, stories and stuff. That's part okay. of the podcast. That, uh, that is probably the reason people come here. People yeah. don't come here. <laughs> what are we talking about? Um, what are we... Rec- with the segue, what are you... Uh, what did you? What were you trying to lead into? Uh, I didn't really even have a segue, but um, oh, okay. w- when you play video games, do you have a price in mind that's like the hard ceiling for you don't want to pay any more than that? Uh, I don't know if it's a Switch game, it's zero, but you know, <laughs> you know, like realistically, like if if you, there was a game that you wanted to play and somebody said it was a price, what price would that be where you'd have to be like, oh well, maybe never mind. Uh, usually I top out at 60 unless it's something that I really, really like and want to support, so I want to get the the special edition for, like, 80. That's about where I stand as well, which hopefully you're not a big fan of Ubisoft titles, because Ubisoft is saying that they want to start charging $70 for their titles. Not only do they want to sell the same game over and over again, but they want to raise the price. The audacity. It's... It's not the same game. They updated the textures and how the eyes pop out during cutscenes. Totally <laughs> different. We are going to be lightly covering an article that was posted by GameDeveloper.com, so make sure you click on that. Uh, we'll have a link in the description if you want to hear more. But the idea is that starting with the current generation of consoles, Ubisoft is going to start titling their games at $70, which kind of sucks. I I know they're not the best studio, but I actually do like quite a bit of Ubisoft's titles. They, yeah. In the, the article, they bring up that they are not the first company to be making this change. For example, Sony, with their Spider-Man game, have already been releasing titles at $70. Uh, Take-Two have also been releasing their titles at 70 So, it seems like this is a trend that not only Ubisoft is going, but the game's industry in general is going to start changing towards and i, I don't think i like it uh it, there, there was there were rumblings of this whenever the ps5 and xbox series consoles first came out uh that game companies were going to consider raising prices because of how expensive it is to make games now and you know to a point i get that but the thing is is it, it seems like in a vast majority of cases games from AAA companies also come with microtransactions and their games as a service so there's going to be not so microtransactions coming down the line there will end up being expansions that are overpriced uh and particularly in the case of Ubisoft like they have said that they're pushing even harder into the games as a service concept uh skull and bones is undoubtedly going to be sold as a game as a service and they're going to be charging out the ass for every little thing here and there uh same with the newest assassin's creed game uh that is the actual game that what is it assassin's creed like infinity or some bullshit some word that is meant to imply that it's a game as a service Assassin's uh, Creed Mirage is the title, but you play it on Infinity or something. Yeah, I don't remember exactly what it is. Yeah, it's something stupid that they're doing. But in any case, like it, it, with with how every major publisher is pushing towards selling a game, selling the main chunk of the game, and then giving you a bunch of other pieces to buy later, 
I don't think that 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 a price increase such as this is justified. Uh, I don't agree with the. Uh, a lot of the things that Jim Sterling says and does, but uh, whenever I still watched him, uh, or I guess, well, her, I watched no. him at the time. Now it's her, or or they're non-binary now or something. I don't know. Um, in any case, one of the the main sentiments was that if a game company can't properly make a profit off of selling the game for the established price of $60, then maybe they shouldn't be making the game. Maybe the industry's gotten a little in over its head. And, uh, yeah, I kind of, kind of tend to agree with that considering you've got so many really great, uh, so-called double a games coming out that are $40 that have just as high of production quality as big triple a titles. And, often offer much more satisfying and engaging experiences. I think that AAA companies are just kind of doing what they do because it's what they've always done. And if they feel justified in raising the price because otherwise they can't make a profit, then maybe they should just maybe, uh, maybe rethink their entire business model. So you brought up a lot of good points that I was kind of edging on, bringing up on my own. Mostly the idea that if you would see a, a game title have a, an increase in price, but, you know, maybe one would expect, oh, maybe it won't be such a microtransaction farm anymore. But I don't have faith that that's going to be the case for companies like Ubisoft, maybe specifically. If you are going to increase the price and justify it by saying, oh, it takes so much more resources to make games nowadays, it's easy to turn around and also say, well, it's also given to... The, the benefit of the doubt that we have so much more resources to make video games with. It's not necessarily harder to make all of this wonderful looking terrain if you have systems that can do the work for you. And I know I'm gratefully oversimplifying the entire game making process by saying all this, but a lot of what we do that makes games amazing now is very much tool assisted. It's not that people are painting and, you know, doing things, you know, placing elements of a game one by one. A lot, a lot of that's just volumetric geo maps and the, the engine decides what'll look best and the engine does it at render time. You don't need to pay someone more because the engine's doing more work. This seems a little bit like maybe it's a self-inflicted wound. Yeah, we you... need more money because we're making bigger games because we want to make bigger games to make more money. Yeah. You, you make a really solid point with that, that uh, I, I don't remember a ton of like developer interviews that weren't highly marketing focused whenever I was younger. But, um, what I, what I do remember. Yeah. Like you had people, I'm saying like in the PS2 days that entire huge triple a style games were made by a team of five, you know, um, most specifically, uh, Medal of Honor Frontline on the PS2, and I think it was also on Xbox, had a bunch of developer, uh, not commentary, but it, there were there were extra videos that you can unlock that were talking with the developers about their process in making the game, and some of them were also just kind of goofs, um, and w they made jokes about 
the fact that they would be working until the late hours of the morning because there were only like two programmers for the entire game. And now you have small companies that like small companies worth of people who are working on individual aspects of the game. You've got 30 or 40 artists who are making assets for the game. You've got entire software dev teams that are working on the tools alone for the designers that to then use to make the game and teams of designers like it's nothing like what it used to be and yet i would say in yeah most cases now especially in the triple a realm the quality of game that you get out of it while it may be visually impressive most of the time isn't that much better than anything that someone with a fraction of that manpower could put together and at a fraction of the cost and to, just to turn around with an immediate afterthought to that i think of all of the examples of i, I feel like maybe you brought this a couple of weeks ago where we were talking about like the unreal engine 5 version of remakes we want from childhood games these are people doing this alone and they look pretty damn good it's possible to do all this with a massive team and it's certainly possible to make successful games that don't require $70 game tags to justify all the extra work but sometimes there's issues with big teams like this like it, a lot of those old games like certainly you brought up Medal of Honor you, you, something about it you remembered and all of these big budget games a lot of them just don't have that soul anymore and I wonder if that's because they're not communicating with each other like on any level higher than we are team members. Yeah, you definitely, you don't get that, that same, uh, that same sense of like passion that was put into a lot of, of big, big name titles anymore. Uh, that you got even, even like 10 years ago, I would say probably with whenever, the the 360 and ps3 like really got into their stride was around whenever i think that that change started to be made i i funnily enough right around the time i think that that dlc became a major thing and like game companies started making way more money off of their shit huh so, funny about that huh funny the way that that money tends to tends to corrupt everything funny huh well Speaking about, uh, let's, let's call this inter-business conflict due to lack of communication, did you hear that EVGA is no longer going to be making new chips for NVIDIA? I, uh, I did hear about this. It was quite a shock. I'm, uh, I'm guessing a lot of people have heard about this. It's kind of been the blockbuster news in, in the tech world this week. Yeah, it's um, like... To, to say to say that this is industry shattering uh, is probably an understatement. EVGA's so, kind of, at least in my mind, been like one of the greats in terms of graphics card manufacturers. Every single NVIDIA graphics card I have has been an EVGA card. That's that's not for nothing. Uh, and when, it's it's when, not that EVGA doesn't make things that aren't graphics cards but that's kind of the only thing that i know of them to make well there's a reason that uh the the stat that's been going around everywhere is that evga's revenue uh 80 of it comes from gpu sales 
So now that's not profit, mind you, which is kind of part of why this is happening. Right. Uh, that is purely revenue, which the difference there is that while uh, EVGA does get a lot of money coming in from selling GPUs, uh, they have to spend a lot of that money beforehand on manufacturing and licensing from NVIDIA and all that good stuff. Uh, the margins on GPU sales are actually very, very low. So there's uh, there's that being a reason why I think they're they're getting out of this. But the CEO also said that essentially NVIDIA is kind of shitty to work with, which I very much believe. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you look at the way that the company tends to kind of talk about the rest of the industry, NVIDIA is kind of trying to be the, the Apple of the graphics card industry. Um, and you can even see that on the consumer side with the way that NVIDIA game works is a thing, how they put out uh, NVIDIA GeForce experience and will not let you download GPU drivers without constantly nagging you about installing GeForce experience. That the fact, me so nuts, by the way, it's like one of my biggest pet peeves with my personal computer. Yeah, I fucking hate it. Uh, and then even once you do download GeForce experience, you have to log in to your NVIDIA account, which has to be tied to some other account to be able to actually use it for anything. So not only do you get some bloatware with your driver, but you have to give them all of your personal information along with it. You also get is... fed spam. Hooray. Yeah, it's just... NVIDIA, the they're doing what uh, Intel used to do, where they know that they're on top, and so they're just going to be shitheads because they know they can get away with it. Yeah, they're uh, doing the same thing that Sony does. In, I mean, they're kind of calming down on it now, but for the longest time, they're like, our titles are our titles. We're not porting anything. We're not cross-platforming anything. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And it, uh, benefit to be anti-consumer. Yeah, and same thing that... They're the same kind of attitude that Microsoft had whenever they launched the Xbox One. Like, it's just... I guess you could say that it, it is a tech industry thing that whenever you're on top, you act like the king of the castle even though that's just bad for consumers most of the could, time could i give an honorable shout out to steam which has never felt that way at least not from a consumer level yeah like it they do pull some shit with being like yeah we take 30 percent of all revenue from from sales which is a pretty big cut and kind of steep and then whenever uh whenever the Epic game store came out and we're like, we're only going to take, it was like 15%, something like that. Uh, oh, go on. It might be even 10. I'm not sure. But in any case, then valve was like, yeah, well, fuck you. And then the Epic game store started actually gaining traction because they were throwing money at the problem. Then, uh, valve were like, okay, if you sell enough copies of your game up front, then we'll lower how much of a cut we take so that they always at least get a certain amount of money, which I think is also still pretty shitty. 
I, they, I feel like it's backwards, but again, that's that's not what we're bringing them up for. Yeah, point being though that at least on the consumer side, they've always done right by by me at least, as far as I can tell, they've never done really anything shitty towards the people actually buying the games, including even like if a game gets delisted or whatever, then there you can still download the game. Uh, they let you share your games with other people uh, on your Steam account, which they kind of started that whole thing. They started the whole game streaming thing, honestly, like in 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 terms of streaming to your friends and all that. Right, like, between that, they're, they're the only service I know that has any sort of, I'm going to say support, but support's probably not the right word. They're advocating for couch co-op to be a thing again. Yeah, they kind of did that, uh, Sony did, uh, with the PS4, but they never put a ton of, of value into that or a lot of effort or money, whereas uh, Valve has built quite a bit into their client to facilitate couch co-op play online, which is, and it's free. is really nice. I don't have to pay a subscription for it. I, If I want to update my name, I don't have to pay $10 for them to say, okay, name change. Yeah, they've... They uh, had a rewards program long before any other company has. I think Microsoft, yeah, Microsoft has one. I think Sony's starting to do one. Uh, granted, they're all like cosmetic things for your profile, but that's like, so cool. We we stand for Steam, yeah. And a part of that is because they communicate with their client base, which yeah. is something that EVGA, well, more specifically Nvidia, wasn't willing to do. Yeah, Nvidia, uh, according to EVGA CEO uh essentially would do again an apple thing wherein they would announce a new product and then evga was told at the time of that announcement how much it was actually going to sell for so until that happened evga didn't know how much money that they were going to make off of their cards which is it's it's pretty shitty yeah like uh apple does the same sort of thing and they even do it to their own employees and it's it's gross like they apple employees like in their retail stores they don't even know like what they're going to be selling until it gets announced at apple's press conference and at the very least uh nvidia's chip or chip partners get uh they get some engineering samples so that they can obviously start making all the boards and everything beforehand but they don't get any any details on pricing and they also are forced to wait to release their cards until after nvidia releases their first party cards uh they're uh what are they called i can't remember nvidia has their own line of the founders edition yeah that that's it about? yeah founders edition cards so they the Founders Edition cards have to be out on the market for so long before any board partner cards are allowed to be put out there, which is like, wow, way to undercut your so-called partners. Right, right. Jeez, that, that word partner might not mean what you think it is. And if you're an engineering firm and, you know, like EVGA, where 80% of your profit is based on that product, finding out basically at the same time the consumer does how much you're going to make from it, or and sometimes not make from it, is incredibly scummy. I totally understand why they'd be like, yeah, we're not doing this anymore. 
Um, just to cover our bacon, we're talking about things that they brought up in The Verge. They, they have an article about this, but I, I don't think we're actually quoting anything word for word. Uh, there no, is some I... good news about this whole situation. That is that they are going to continue supporting their existing uh, generation of products. So, you know, a couple down down the line, if your game keeps on blue screening because the graphics card crashes, they will fix it. Hopefully. Yeah. They feel they... entitled to it anyways. Yeah. They, they have said they will honor warranties. They are going to sell out their remaining stock of 30 series cards. They're not making any 40 series cards, um, but they will keep on support staff. Uh, they're also going to do everything they can to avoid having to fire too many people. They already had to lay off a bunch of people because of the post pandemic scale down of the entire market. But, um, yeah, they they're they're trying to do good by everyone over the course of this this process. But just by the nature of business, there are inevitably going to be people who get shafted. Like they're they're gonna have to fire some engineers who are there because they were supposed to design graphics cards and now EVGA is not gonna design graphics cards anymore. And like I imagine these people will probably get sniped by competitors pretty quick though. Absolutely. And they're, they're even going to, uh, the CEO said, pay some employees uh, who just don't have any work to do right now because that's just the right thing to do, which is, yeah. that that's that's pretty great. But I support it, especially with, I mean, from the, the Verge article, it sounds like they had to be selling the RTX 3080 and 3090 series at loss in order to keep competitive pricing. Yeah. So but they're because... already not like in a great situation. And that's to keep competitive pricing with NVIDIA's own cards. So it's like that this it really is just to make it. Yeah. It's NVIDIA undercutting their own supposed partners. Like uh I say so I'm getting a lot of my info from the Gamers Nexus uh video that was done on this. And uh the thing that I I remember that makes a lot of sense, especially along the lines of, of me comparing them to Apple, uh, EVGA CEO pretty much said that they, uh, they as in NVIDIA, are trying to become Apple. They, they want to own the entire supply line for NVIDIA GPUs. So he would not be surprised if at some point NVIDIA just stopped having board partners and were selling their nvidia gpus their only founders edition cards maybe like maybe other companies will sell like aftermarket coolers or something but as far as actual board designs that will probably not be a thing eventually so it it's so weird to me that we just got over gpus being like just ludicrously overpriced and now they're like no we we actually don't want other people selling these we want to sell them all <laughs> And especially with like with, with with how they they showed how they aren't very good at mitigating like scalping or anything like that. Obviously. Yeah. So I I I don't think that's gonna go particularly well. But uh according to people who know more about the inner workings of the industry than I do, that will probably not happen for a little while because of certain aspects of supply chain economics that uh, I'm not privy to, but that NVIDIA has no way of dealing with right now. So 
Um, hopefully EVGA will be able to continue making good power supplies. And I, I think they make computer cases, maybe? Uh, maybe? Do they make motherboards? I don't know. I, th I think they do make mobos as well. I, I most the only other thing that I'm positive that they make other than GPUs is like power supplies, and I've never owned one, so I, I can't really comment. I do have one EVGA power supply, and it's been just fine so far. That's all I can say for it. So, yeah, it looks like they make uh, graphics cards, power supplies, motherboards, uh, keyboards, and mice, because why not? Those are probably licensed. Yeah, I'm, sure, uh, I'm sure it makes those for cheap. They apparently make capture cards? Are, are they like EVGA component capture cards? Uh, capture device. XR1 Pro. What the hell is this? Interesting. EVGA XR1 Pro capture card. Certified for OBS. It's $90 and... I am skeptical that they actually designed this. I don't know for sure, but it kind of looks a lot like uh, uh, Avermedia Live Gamer Portable that is just rebranded as an EVGA product. Don't know that for sure. Uh, don't sue me. But I know for a fact that Razer's uh, capture card is literally a live uh, an Avermedia Live Gamer capture card that is inside of a Razer shell. So they but they definitely that do that. Nice enclosure. Yeah, that's There's literally all you're paying for. Got the right letters on it. Yep. That's that is how that goes. Um so that's interesting though. I I didn't know that they made so many other products. Uh they do make one computer case. It is very plain looking. It's just a black box with a with a button on it. Could I ask how much it is? Hundred bucks. Ooh, swing and a miss for a blank case. It's a mini so. ITX case. It does have a window on it, but like, ooh boy. Ooh. All joking aside, I do wish EVGA the best. They've done well by me in the past, and uh, I don't think that'll be enough for me to switch over my power architecture. But uh, go, little rock star. Good, good job, EVGA. So. Mr. Aroa, yeah. How, how about that Nintendo? I, I know you like buying all of the Nintendo video games <laughs> when they come out. Yeah, I'm super excited about stuff. Uh-huh. So this week they had the Nintendo Direct. I don't necessarily want to talk about every single game in detail. Uh, I, I imagine we're, we're just going to blow through these and let all of you fine viewers at home know the things that are coming for your Nintendo Switch. Shall we? Okay, uh, so do we talk about the big one? Because they have this in, like, order, and I think nah, they have them I, in order of things that are, like, most exciting to least exciting. Nah, I, I'll just, we'll, we'll save the obvious interesting one for the end. I'll, I'll just go in the order that they showed up. So first off, we have uh, Fire Emblem featuring Joy-Con Hero. It's, <laughs> it's Fire Emblem with, with blue and red hair. And well, it's, uh... Are you a fan of Fire Emblem at all? You know, I I liked uh, I liked was it Three Houses, is Three that Houses, the one? which is great. Yeah, I I didn't 
I didn't finish it by any means, but uh, that's because it's an SRPG and I'm really bad at those. But uh, yeah, I like I like the concepts of the games. I wish that they were not made by Nintendo. Is my thing. Do you think it's uh, E for Everyone rating kind of hinders the game on a whole, or one hundred percent? Yeah, um, it's, it, it feels like it should be an epic high gothic story, and sometimes they they have children squabbles. I agree yeah. with that. And the new the new female protagonist in this game looks like man i just i would love to see her in like a t-rated game um with uh maybe some some more revealing outfits but you know that's me well, i'm glad you brought that up because I'm, I'm gonna bring that up again later uh, <laughs> i i will say fire emblem has this thing where it always needs to ride on the coattails of its predecessor games and that just it doesn't do anything for me and i think it's a shame because this game is obviously like up oh, and here here's marth yeah that's kind of weird like i want i wonder if this is going to be like uh i don't know how the how the storyline worked in fire emblem warriors but i'm assuming that since it's like a bunch of random characters that they're doing some kind of weird time travel bullshit i think warriors was the dissidia kind of thing if i am correct so i i'm i'm wondering if they're going to do something like that with this game, but with a more traditional Fire Emblem storyline and gameplay. I will be sure to ask you and you definitely buy a copy. Yeah, buy a copy. Next, I want to talk about It Takes Two coming on the Switch. And uh, as the child of uh, divorced parents, that, that's all I want to say. It, it sure is on the Switch. I, uh, I don't, I'm not that sensitive about my parents' divorce, but I still have no more to say about it. It's on Switch. I'm kind of surprised it wasn't already. Next, a game that I, I suspect you might be excited for is Fatal Frame. Did Did you play the Fatal Frames at all? I do like the Fatal Frames. I have only played one through three. Uh, so what makes this release interesting is this uh, particular Fatal Frame has never been released in America. Uh, this uh, was a Japanese exclusive Wii game that has had a fantastic fan translation available for years now, but to have it officially available in the West is pretty cool. The only thing I am concerned about is whether they will include motion controls. I really hope that they do, because unlike most games on the Wii, they actually did an interesting thing with the motion controls in Mask of the Lunar Eclipse. And they certainly could get away with it on the Switch. It's got the hardware for it. It does. And you don't need, like, really precise pointing or anything. Like, it doesn't need the, the what is it, the bar thing that you would put on your TV. Uh, it really just needs to be a thing where they can detect whenever you rotate the controller. As long as you have that, that's, that's more than enough. I'm sure it, I guess I'm not sure. I would hope they would have that. I'm excited to see games that people like coming to the United States. I, although Fatal Frame isn't a series that I'm really into, I know a lot of people who are, and I'm happy for them. Next, they showed off uh, Xenoblade 3. Do, do you like the Xenoblades? No. I also don't like the Xenoblades, but they have DLC where where they have the ad, the Adeptus Mechanicus waifu from, from Warhammer. No, it, it's not from Warhammer. I made that up, but there's there's a red robot, so... Maybe I didn't make it up. I don't know. I, I, I'm i not the one to talk about this in the series. Next, we're going to talk about Fist of the North Star. 
they have a, a punching related <laughs> DDR game. And I actually, I, I would never play a game like this, but if I did, this would be the one that I would play. Yeah, it's uh, very Star DDR. <laughs> well, so fitness boxing was a game already, but I, I, I was like, yeah, I'm not interested in that because I don't like the the like music or any idea that they have in here. This isn't necessarily what I would have expected to try to make it more appealing to me. Right, I'm still not going to get it. The the Dragon Ball kind of license or something like like something that you'd you know see before like a Naruto, this of the North Star. Hell yeah, I ride for that. <laughs> it's uh, I'm hoping just that there's a a sort of final boss battle where you have to punch really 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 fast. <laughs> Ome wa no shinderu. <laughs> So that's, I mean, I, I'm probably not going to get it, but if I was going to get any of these games, that's the one I would get. <laughs> Next up on my list is Oddballers, which is, what if Gang Beasts was a party mini game? I'm probably not going to get it, or if I do, I'll wait for it to come out to PC, but I'm wondering why Gang Beasts wasn't this this already. Yeah. Next is Tunic. You know Zelda? It's yeah. Zelda. Next is Front Mission Remakes. Uh, it's got mechs. It's got tactics. It plays like Advanced Wars. I should like this, but I've never actually heard of this. Have you ever heard of Front Missions? Uh, Front Mission, yeah, that's been around since I think PS One. I oh, that's that's why I never heard about it. Sony. So I I I might actually pick this up again. I'm I'm kind of hoping that this also has a PC release, and if not, then maybe I'll go back and play it. But Golly, this sure does look like a game I should like. Any thoughts on it? Like, as a, as, have you ever played them, or do you just know about them? Uh, they are they are SRPGs, so they're and not I my know, thing. It's not really your thing? Yeah. Okay. Um, we'll stay tuned for when I probably talk about that in like a year and a half. I don't remember when it comes out, and I'm not looking it up. Next, we will talk about Stardew Valley 3D. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. It's Story of Seasons. Oh. Yeah, it's uh, Harvest Moon. It's har- yeah, it's it's a farming simulator. Well, it's not even uh, Story of Seasons is uh, the continuation of the Harvest Moon series. Uh, fun oh. f- fun fact: uh, if you see any Harvest Moon games come out, they are not made by the original Harvest Moon developers. Uh, Did they lose the rights to their own game or something? Essentially, there there was some wacky licensing rights stuff, and essentially. Story of Seasons is what Harvest Moon was called in Japan this entire time. And uh, because they lost the rights to the name Harvest Moon, they just started publishing Harvest Moon games as Story of Seasons in America. I don't hate that. I mean, I hate that they lost the rights to their own title and someone else ran with it, but good on them for keeping it up. Like, obviously people like these games. Yeah. I, I don't think I'm one of those people, but good for those who do. And by the way, this is a this is a modern remake of Harvest Moon. It's a Wonderful Life. Is is that the original one, or is that one of the off offshoots? I think it was on GameCube. Oh. Uh, next is uh, Spatoon Three. Do Do you like Spatoon? Uh, it's fine, but I after they dropped support for Splatoon Two, uh, after a year. Uh, even if I was paying for Switch Online, I wouldn't pick this up because I don't trust them to continue supporting it. 
Well, those who are paying for Nintendo Online and those who are enjoying Splatoon 3, they have Splatfest, or Splatfest, which, I I mean, like, I understand it, but I, I think it's a weird thing to be, like, advertising and being excited about. And the question is, what would you bring with you on a deserted island? And I don't... Is this what Japanese businessmen <laughs> think being relatable is? I don't yeah. think it's relatable. I think the... I think the last Splatfest of Splatoon 2 was like, which condiment are you, ketchup or mayonnaise? The mustard or mayonnaise, yep, I remember that. Oh, okay. Was it? Okay. That's It's weird. It's weird. Are you mustard or semen? Oh, no. <laughs> not, not in my children's games. <laughs> After they showed off the the, the the spit fest, they showed off Octopath Travelers getting a sequel titled Octopath Traveler 2. I thought that was what Triangle Bingo strategy Bongo was. was. Yeah. yeah. Triangle strategy, and then there was Octopath Traveler, and then after that, they... Oh, we'll talk about it later. Uh, Square Enix needs to, like, calm down. They're, <laughs> they, they need to send it back and get, like, at least three out of five people to get the stamp of approval. I think they're just getting one and going with it. Wait, well, like, if you mean with like having, because well, isn't uh, I don't know what you were gonna talk about because I feel like they have like two or three other farming games coming out. Yep, and we will we'll talk about the the specific one is Various Daylife, which is just who named that? <laughs> it's next. It's apparently a game about doing boring menial everyday tasks to increase your RPG stats. Do you like chores? Well, do we have the game for you? Speaking of farming simulators, the next game here to talk about is Fay Farm. Yeah. I, like, people have been hyping it, and I, I this is the first time I even heard of it. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a farming simulator. And it's from the people that made Dauntless. Yeah, everyone wants to make uh, Stardew Valley 2. And no one's going to succeed at it. Like, it, it is 100% impossible. Is the only innovation we could really have high fantasy RPG elements? Is that what people really played those games for? And even if that was the case, uh, yeah, there, there's a game called Rune Factory. Uh, it's been around since, well, we'll like, the DS. Well, yeah, we will. About Rune Factory. <laughs> Rune Factory Five just came out on PC, and like, uh, it's just Harvest Moon with RPG elements. Like, speaking of high fantasy games with RPG elements where there shouldn't be any, uh, then they showed off Theater Rhythm Final Fantasy, which is coming out on Switch, and it also has like every Square Enix DLC imaginable coming. Okay, yeah. that's not fair. Like, Live Alive. It's got like. Uh, Octopath Traveler. I think it's got near Automata. It's you know, if you're into that sort of thing, good for you. It comes with almost 400 songs in the base game of like every song that's ever been in a Final Fantasy game. Which I'm I'm cool with. I'm glad that they're not paying extra for those. And you know, it's like they're they're allowed to make DLC of their other products. Yeah, good the, for, the, I, the I Rhythm is a pretty long running series, so. It's uh, that came out with the original DS, if I recall correctly. Uh, I think you're right. Yeah, I I remember being in high school and my buddy was freaking out over it. And I was like, it's Final Fantasy music to Elite Beat Agents. I, I don't quite get it. I, I it's, still don't. It's not even it. that. 
like I, I think it's too easy. It's like at least the what what I played on the 3DS version, like it's just too easy for me to care. Speaking of games that are too easy to care about, Mario Rabbids 2. This time with Mario being angry. I oh. don't know. I I liked the first one when it was the only game on Switch. <laughs> And now that there's other games, I don't think I ever want to go back to Mario Rabbids. Not that I, I like it's, I, I support it. Like the guy obviously was passionate about the project, and I, I should like it. It's a Mario Tactics game, but it was, it was a baby game for babies. Yeah, it also just has a really strong Wii U energy to me. Yeah. Uh, next game that they showed off, one that we hinted earlier, was Rune Factory Three, and let, let me tell you something about that Rune Factory. What's the main appeal of this? Is it an action game? Is it a dating sim? Because by by the trailer that they had here, it sounds like it's actually a dating sim with RPG elements. It's uh, it's Harvest Moon. Like it's it, it the first one uh, was was titled like Rune Factory: A Fantasy Harvest Moon, and it's like it's just Harvest Moon, but also there is an RPG system where you go dungeon crawling and like get equipment and stuff to do that otherwise it's just harvest moon which has the dating sim elements already in it and every character is a twink yeah they that was something that disappointed me in rune factory 5 is that they've got like big titty fox mommy and you can't you can't marry her which is like just why why i i I, it's I've never played it, but it seems like it's a like a selling point almost. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't, know. I don't understand. So, so I know that you don't have Nintendo Online, and I know I don't have Nintendo Online. But with the next thing they teased, it sort of made me think about it. Nintendo sixty four, like the the add on that you could download for it. Oh yeah, it's gonna have Pilot Wing sixty four. It's gonna have Pokemon Stadium one and two. It's gonna have Mario Party one through three. It's going to have 1080 snowboarding. It's going to have Excitebyte 64, which those last two kind of, you know, whatever. But like just Pilot Wing 64, just the Pokemon stadiums, just the first three Mario parties, that almost alone is worth the price of Nintendo Online Plus. So what would be really cool is if like they would add Game Boy games. Yes. And then you could put your Pokemon from first and second gen into Pokemon Stadium 1 and 2. That it makes too much sense. It's too good of an idea. People would pay for that, but Nintendo doesn't want my money. No. Uh, instead, they... I think the only way you can play uh, Red, Blue, and Yellow is on 3DS, which you won't be able to buy anything from there soon. That, that's, that's, that's a shame, too. I'm, I mean, I'm sure... Just because Nintendo's Nintendo, they'll eventually be like, and here's the retro edition where you can get all your old favorites and transfer them over with the updated rules. And and, and they'll have, like, Pokemon Go-style battling, and they'll ruin it. I, like, that's that's something I would be interested in, like, just a remake of the first three games on one big package. I know that's not how Nintendo does it, but I would be interested in that. They would, they would sell two versions, and it would be half of one on each. That's what yeah. they would do. Yeah. You're right. Also, 
the fake out that they did where it's a black screen and it plays some spacey music and then the Metroid icon shows up and you're like, oh man, are they going to talk about Metroid Prime? And then it's fucking Goldeneye. Oh, I didn't, I didn't catch that. The balls on Nintendo. <laughs> the balls. That's like Super Smash Brothers. The the reveal where where like Donkey Kong goes up on the window and they think oh. it's gonna. That that oh. They know the the fact that they continued not doing anything with Metroid Prime after that is a real slap in the face. That's fucking. That's Nintendo. They they just actively hate their customers. That's the only reason I can I can come up with. It makes me want to calm down and do trivial, meaningless chores, which is good because the next game that they teased was Various Day Life. We already kind of hinted about this one earlier. It's a farming sim. Okay, this one's not really a farming sim, but it's a RPG where a big part of the main loop is like you have to do chores relating to living in a city. It wow. kind of, it kind of makes me think of like the the chores you'd have to do in Fire Emblem Three Houses, but what if that was the main game? <laughs> and I it, don't think that makes for a good game. But I don't know how else to describe it. I wonder if this is meant to be a a spiritual successor to uh, that game that was on 3ds. Uh, shit, I can't remember. Uh. There was a game on 3DS that you could choose like what life you wanted to live and you could just be a uh, you could be a blacksmith but then you can swap and be a carpenter and like you can use both of those lives to then augment another life like you could switch over and and now you're an adventurer but you, you need a better sword saves the world that doesn't I don't think that came out on 3DS though. That's Never not mind. what I'm talking about. Even. Uh I'm gonna find it. Uh 3DS life. Fan is it fantasy life, maybe? Yes. I, I don't know. It is? Fan yeah, fantasy life. It was made uh yeah, developed and published by level five. Um yeah, you you essentially like you, if you wanted to craft uh like new weapons and stuff, you could you could just buy them uh or like buy certain components or you could go full on and be a miner, mine the shit, be uh be a woodcutter, cut the wood, then go and be a blacksmith and smith the, the shit. Is awesome. It it is it is good. Uh, it's just like, what if you break that down even further and just make everything as boring as possible? First, I need to select the mining class. Now I need to mine. Now I need to select the traveler class so I could traverse with my stuff back. Okay, game. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, uh, next. Yeah. Go on. No, 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 you're good. Go on. Ne next, they, they talked about bringing Factorio to Switch, which is a game I'm really surprised wasn't already on Switch. Oh shit! Do you know anything about Factorio? I've played a bit of it. It's um, it's a little too uh, exciting. Not not the right word, but it's it's too intense for me. Uh, yeah, it's it has a very high. Uh, uh, it, I I don't really even know how to describe a game like this. It's 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 easy to learn but difficult to master. 
and boy does it want you to master it fast yeah that's that's the real problem for me I, i've gotten what i would want out of factorio by playing satisfactory which is essentially the same game but it's from a first person perspective and there is no real like danger at any point and then speaking of games that don't really have much danger ib which if if you've watched a game like uh you know on a stream like in the last two years you probably already know about ib yeah i remember ib back uh it was like early youtube days like all the rpg maker horror games and ib Mm -hmm. was like a big standout so it's cool that that's happening but it makes sense that it's coming to switch i i wonder if that's the best platform to it but i'm i'm sure it'll find success there it's good for all the kids good for it's good for the babies out there they they need a good horror game to play yeah and then there is mario strikers that has an update and i i think i actually skipped that one because i was just so not interested in hearing what they were actually updating so that's bad on me Uh, i don't know i I need I need to struggle how to pronounce this. I think it's Atelier Riza. I, I'm not sure if that's a French word or not. I have no idea how to pronounce it. Uh, Atelier Riza 3, Alchemist of the End and the Secret Sky. That is really its title. That is the approved product name. Someone approved that. <laughs> yeah, the, that, the, yeah, the whole Atelier series has really overblown names like that and they're all uh games that i don't want to play so they're like old school dungeon crawler rpgs not even it's 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 the worst parts of old rpgs it looks like and it's like flashy and cinematic without actually i don't know i'm I'm so tired of games being cutscenes, but we'll talk about that later games that aren't just cutscenes. mario kart 3 has some more dlc coming out that for some reason has been controversial Mario Kart 8, you mean? Oh, I'm sorry, yes. Mario Kart 8 has its third round of DLC coming out to it. It sure is a game that it sure is a game that came out on on, on Wii U. Yeah. I I guess that's just Nintendo going, yeah, we can't come up with a gimmick for Mario Kart 9. They also can't come up with a gimmick for Switch Sports, which is uh they're bringing golf back. I'm surprised golf wasn't in there already same and then pikmin go is a thing i think it's called pikmin bloom oh yeah i might check this out just because i like pikmin and i do walk like you know 10 miles a day at work usually yeah you totally should i I feel like it's like pokemon go did nothing for me i know pikmin bloom looks like it's a little bit different maybe it's a little more focused on like stopping at places instead of collecting them all yeah it's uh it's very much like you you just push the the start planting flowers button, put your phone in your pocket, and then go about your day. Yeah, I, I think that might be more for me than the Pokemon Go was. Also, Pikmin 4 is happening. Hooray! They, they said it. Why they wouldn't they it. do it? And well, then, they, and then, and Pikmin then they 3 was about... like a massive failure from my understanding, so that might be why. Really? I actually really liked Pikmin 3. I, I thought the changes that they made were really good for the system on a whole, like the the gameplay loop of it. That is, yeah, it seems like a nice balance between Pikmin 2's complete lack of pressure and Pikmin One's way too much pressure. Yeah, 
having extra people and being able to like assign them to do tasks while we were focusing on another, it it became essential to how I played that game. Games that I want to play, they announced Just Dance 2023. I played, I think it was Just Dance 2020, and that game was surprisingly pretty fun, actually. Yeah, I like dancing uh, games. I wish uh, I wish the Kinect hadn't been such a massive failure because I uh, I like Dance Central a lot. Oh, I think Dance Central was the one that I used to play in college when I worked at a video game lab. And the, these games are most fun when you're doing them socially. All of the advertisements they have for it, except for, you know, when they're all doing it at, like, the dance club, the one place you want to bring your Switch to play games, they're all, like having fun alone and like calling their friends and being like, what was your high score? I would never play a game like this on my own. This is something you bust out after people have been drinking and it's going to get people dancing around. And I, I think it's an Ubisoft title, so it might even be $70. It, it is an Ubisoft title. That would be, uh, that would be pretty funny. They can't stupid. make it $70. There's they no way. Copy. No. Just Speaking, Dance is like the most casual of casual games. Speaking of games that might not sell a single copy, Harvestella Life. It's a simulation RPG, and I don't know how to think that this is just like all the other farming simulators we've seen. I love that you put life at the end of it without... Did you realize that you did that? I did not realize that I did that, but... <laughs> it's just because you expect wrong. it, because it's yet another fucking life sim game, and like they all have life in the title somewhere it, it, it's, it, i'm very overwhelmed by the lack of diversity in these titles something that i think you might be excited about bayonetta 3 it's coming october 28th that's uh that's pretty hype i I'm can't wait to play it i'm sure you're gonna totally buy a copy and support the the producers mm -hmm. uh, I, I will not be because bayonetta's uh Everything about it is is a no from me, but I know a lot of people have been excited for this, like basically since the Switch came out. So good riddance. About damn time. Yeah. The next game they teased, I thought was one that was interesting, and in that I haven't seen another game do something like this recently, which is Master Detective Archives Rain Code. I'm wondering if this is a series of games that this is like the next one of, or if this is just another game that has a weird title. Uh, it could be either one because it's from, uh, the Danganronpa people. So they do like to make uh, games with weird titles. Does this take place in the Dangan world? No. The Dangiverse, if you will? No, they just, uh, they just like to make games like this for some reason. In truly, like, spectacularly just over-the-top anime sense, you are a detective with amnesia and your demon sidekick go off and solve mysteries i'm not sure if you've ever seen the anime case closed i'm getting very big case closed vibes from this oh. um it looks like no this is the this is the first game in the series uh yep but I am curious to see more about it, which is a lot more than I could say about most of the games they announced. Yeah. And I, I love Danganronpa, and Spike Chunsoft has developers who are really, really good at making this sort of game. So 
I wish them the best of luck. I might even check this one out. Next, I want to talk about Resident Evil 8 Cloud Edition. Next, I want to talk about Sifu, which is maybe a better, like, mass brawler. Uh, I, I wrote that with the idea of, like, when you think of one versus many, you think of games like, I don't know, like a Batman Arkham Asylum or something like that, where you wait for the, the prompt to come up and you hit it in time and you do a super cool flourish. I am so bored of that gameplay just as being, like, the, the default go-to. Every game has that. Like, Assassin's Creed has that, even, for, for crying out loud. And this looks like it is that same idea, but the next evolution of it. It's, it's not so much waiting for your enemy to blink red so you can press X. It's depending on what they are doing, you need to react appropriately. It's basically like uh, playing one of those games, but on hard mode. And also you have like fighting game buttons instead of just an attack button. You've got like low kick, low punch, high kick, high punch type setup. They're doing a haymaker, which means you need to block that arm before you can proceed with a follow-up punch. That sort of level of thought, which yeah. is cool, because that's my experience with martial arts. It's, uh, and I don't know if they went into detail or if you already knew, but, like, the main gimmick is that whenever you die, you lose time instead of actually dying. Mm -hmm. So you get older, which means that your stats change. So, like... You start out and you're really shitty and unrefined because you're young. And then, like, you kind of reach a peak at some point whenever you get into, like, your late 20s. And you're really strong and fast and all that. And then eventually you get old. And while your technique is really good, you're not very strong anymore. It's, uh, it's a neat idea. I, I... I want to bring up a game, but I don't remember the full title. It was a Mortal Kombat game where you play a Shujinko. It had this story mode where you like follow him all along his whole life. And oh, he's being yeah. Conquest mode. It, a, it was awesome. I, I wish games did more stuff like that. It reminds me of that. And it, again, th this might be one of those games I end up checking out, actually. Yeah, you should. It's it's not just on, on Switch. I would, I would see if you can get it on. I will check this out on Steam Deck. Yeah. <laughs> And speaking of games that I would only ever play on Steam Deck, Crisis Core, with maybe worse combat, is they're remaking Crisis Core, but with the the modern Final Fantasy VII, sit around and watch them do combat for you system. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, because Crisis Core had a great combat system. I, I liked the the roulette aspect of it. Yeah. Like even the scripted moments, because it had that like, like it wasn't really random, but it made it feel like it was random. It made you feel like you were doing cool stuff. Yeah, that was like the best part of that game. And golly, they're going to mess it up because that's all they do lately with my childhood memories. <laughs> Speaking of childhood memories, you might remember a game called Radiant Silver Gun, which is uh, an R-type style, you know, near an over-the-top shooter. A bullet hell, I guess, is the right term for it. I feel like Radiant Silver Gun has come out on like every platform ever. It's It's been around for a while. Oh, Ikaruga is a spiritual successor to it. I did not know that. I also did not know that, but I'm not surprised by that. I I know this is not like the first, but it's it's one of the first ones to get popular, so it, it makes sense that it's endured for as long as it has. God, Next game, game. It's crazy. 
Next game was brought up was Endless Dungeon, which I have literally nothing to say about. They just kind of said it, here it is, here's what it's going to be, and they moved on. And what they moved on to was Tales of Symphonia Remastered. I almost don't understand the point of remastering a Tales game with how often they remake them. Not remake, but like make a new episode of them. Oh, it's, you know, there are some where they're people's favorite. And uh, wasn't this one on like GameCube or something, though? Tales of Symphonia, I think, was on the PlayStation 3. Wait, really? I think. Is, is it worth Googling? I'll Google it. I'm, I'm not afraid to Google. I'm looking. I'm, holy. No, no. Okay. Yeah. GameCube. It's GameCube. It did ah, come yeah. out on PS3 as well, uh, 10 years later. So it looks like <laughs> this is the second time they're remaking it. The re-re-remaster. Don't think about that one time. <laughs> and like you said, people do like these games. Uh, I, I don't necessarily understand why, but I'm not going to yuck someone else's yum. Games that I will yuck someone else's yum for, though, is uh, Life is Strange is coming out on Switch. And then soon every Sony game will just come out on Switch, I imagine. I don't think Life is Strange is a Sony game. Was it not originally released on Sony? Maybe I'm wrong about that. I know it eventually got ported. And now it's being ported to the Switch. And I, I don't Actually, care for this. I think I think Life is Strange is Square Enix again. Oh, oh no, you are absolutely right it is. Because <laughs> in the first one, she's like, I don't care what anyone says. Final Fantasy, the... The Spirits Within is a great movie. <laughs> Why? Nobody thinks that. Games with weird titles, they announced Romancing Saga Minstrel Song. Our JRPG Dating Sims. Okay. And they, they followed <clears throat> this trend of like not really talking about what the game is or like what you do in it. But, but you could farm or you, you could date a significant other. They just assume that you've you've seen Romancing Saga before. You know what you're getting into. But I haven't, and I don't, and I don't <laughs> think I will. Oh, it's, it's not for you, man. Yeah. Games that very well might be for me. Uh, Lego Brick Tales, which is like a Telltale Games approach, but in a Lego world. Huh. I'm okay with that. I'll check that out. That's cool. I do like, I like the writing that goes into those games generally so it's cool to have like hilarious yeah so that I, I, I mean just it's a lego studio i imagine great things for that and then things i don't imagine great things from the uh, disney's making a kart racer oh wow it's it's been so long I, I i feel like i'm having deja vu bringing this up but did you see mickey during this trailer uh oh yeah he so pissed off mickey looks like he is about to like tell his friends not to come to school tomorrow in this race yeah the we talked about that last week where it looks was... like Angry luigi or something like why yeah they... <laughs> race with your friend danica patrick in an all-new disney kart racer yeah that was because <laughs> i didn't know who the hell that human looking chick was that uh, i i did the world really need another kart racer? I mean, Go... it, it didn't need one that was just going to be Mario Kart, but with Disney characters. Yeah, with it's going to have worse non-gun related like. They should have just upgrades. They should have just re-released Split Second. 
That's what they should have done. If they really wanted to, I don't know. I, I, I think not. Uh, they, they were so busy on if they could, they should have asked if they should. And I don't yeah. think they should. No. Going You're back right. to games that have big Wii U energy, because I, I assume you had nothing else to say about Disney, Disney Kart Racer. I don't give a shit. Is uh, Kirby Return to Dreamland, a, a game that came out for Wii U, is now coming out to Switch. Hooray! I, I never played this one, but it did look like it was quite a bit of fun. Wait, did it come out on Wii U? Pretty sure. That was Wii. Did, is it the Wii? Yeah. Am I dating myself here? Yeah. I yeah, sure this is Wii. I sure am. Return to Dreamland on the Wii. It, 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 it. I mean, it's, it's, it's trying to ride on the coattails of Dreamland, the, the, the iconic game that everyone remembers from Super Nintendo. I yeah. don't think it quite pulls it off, but it does manage to have a better co-op experience. You know so what? I, uh, you know, it was a great version of Kirby's Dreamland was Nightmare in Dreamland on the Game Boy Advance. I would agree with that. I'd rather I, play I, that. I come to think of it, I like quite a bit of the Kirby games. For for being baby games for babies, they're all right with me. Yeah. And then finally, the game that everyone already knows about. They released Legend of Zelda: Tears Are for Fears. Wait, you don't want to you don't want to mention the Resident Evil remakes coming out on Switch? No, I specifically said that they they're making a Cloud Edition, and then I moved on. Oh, I thought you were, you said that about something else. <laughs> that they were also making a cloud edition for. No, that's Resident Evil 8, the, the village. Oh. Making a cloud edition. Dude, I really need to say any more after cloud edition? No, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, they're not actually releasing it on Switch. It, they're releasing it on Gaikai, and then you play the Gaikai version on your Switch, and every three seconds it'll go, connection, connection issues. <laughs> running from zombies, waiting to buffer, running from zombies, waiting to buffer. Just get yeah, a Steam Deck. Runs on Steam, Steam Deck. And then just get a Steam Deck and play Legend of Zelda Tears of the Empire there. Tears of Tears Tears in the Rain. <laughs> Legend of Zelda Purple Purple Tears. So I I think we were talking about before the podcast about this. It's is it too late for, for Breath of the Wild sequel? Because I, I really like <sighs> Breath of the Wild. It's one of my favorite video games, even, but I- I don't I got my Steam Deck. Yeah, I don't think it's too late for a sequel. Uh I think that it's just um where the fuck is the Switch 2? Is yeah, uh, kind of where I'm at. That up. I wouldn't be surprised if this was released at the same time with a a console pusher like uh, you know Super Switch or whatever. Yeah, like if, especially with it being released in May of next year kind of makes me wonder if maybe they're going to shoot for the uh, the Switch 2 getting released around the same time. God, I hope so, because that hardware is fucking dated as hell. It's and, starting to show its age. Yeah, and like, the, the graphics in Tears of the Kingdom don't look like they're improved that much over Breath of the Wild, if at all. So I'm hopeful, hoping that that means they're... Uh, they'll be able to like hit maybe 45 frames per second, you know, on the switch Two. assuming that that becomes a thing and it's not just going to run at 20 FPS on the original switch. And that's going to be the end of it. Hold on. This is just a steam deck that you wrote switch Two on <laughs> Nintendo. <laughs> Actually it'd be kind of great if, 
the the Switch 2 gets announced and it's like, yeah, it's um, you know, running running a Zen 4 processor and custom RDNA 2 uh GPU chips, you know. It's and it's going to cost $400 and uh <coughs> anyway, what would the Nintendo flavor of Linux be called? Uh, probably be something like Dolphin. I, I don't know. Uh, it'd be, it'd be like a Mario character, but with like X at the end. Everyone's favorite operating system, Birdo. <laughs> it's just Birdo. That's that's the name of it. Or uh, when it's when it's hacked and somebody makes like the the jailbroken version it'll be shy guy yeah that that would actually happen absolutely well now that we are done with the nintendo direct let's let's speed things up a little bit and talk about the stony state of play yeah the stony state of play stony state of, of the stony Ston state of stony bit let's talk about uh fucking cg trailers let's talk about tekken Tekken. You like Tekken? I like Tekken. I I don't like Tekken. Tekken's fine. I mean, I I'm bad at fighting games of all sorts, so. It's not that I'm bad at them. It's that I'm bored of them. Oh, and Tekken Eight looks like it's gonna have the same issue that I had with Soul Calibur Six, which is it's gonna be watching cutscenes while you're playing a fighting game. Any time that I go from like focusing, I, I don't want to say button mashing, but like trying to like get into a flow. And then I have to stop and watch my characters do a super cool move that breaks me out of my flow. Oh, Don't so you must fighting games. You must really hate uh, like all Arxis fighting games, then, huh? Yeah, yeah. That's that's my curse. That's that's my burden to bear. Just, Speaking uh... of uh, bear, uh, there's some unbearable games coming out for the Star Wars universe. They they teased uh, Star Wars Tales from the Galaxy's Edge. Which is, oh. I think it's going to be two different VR titles coming out in the Star Wars universe where you play as some sort of bounty hunter. It actually reminded me quite a bit of that Battle Sister game that they made for Warhammer VR. Oh, yeah. Like, it's, it's actually a pretty good game. I never beat it because it's, it's fucking hard. But it looks like it's going to be almost the exact same thing. But instead of Chaos Marines and Cultists, you're fighting Jar Jar. <laughs> and, remember, remember star wars yeah here's, i mean here's, put it on your vr headset it looks like it it might be kind of cool but i'm skeptical i'm also very skeptical of the star wars intellectual property as a whole yeah like i i can't shake the feeling that it's probably going to be like four hours long you know, uh, and on rails, like you can walk around on the the one specific path they've laid out for you already. Yeah, and the VR experience. The AI looks like it might be on par with uh, with like did what what the fuck is the VR? Why can't I remember the name of anything? Um, blade and sorcery. Yeah, let, let me stand around, get in position now. Hit me. Yeah. Hey, uh, if if you want stuff there, you stand around and wait for things to happen. There's a tabletop RPG card game 
also coming to VR too. I have sort of wanted a game like this for a very, very long time. Not <sighs> not, not bad enough to get a, a PlayStation 5 and Sony VR, but the idea is it's a tabletop RPG simulator. So like, you know, when you're playing D&D with your friends on the weekend, that's the game. And like you, you select spells and it, you know, like a tactic style, you, you aim out with the grid. But then like when you're doing stuff, you jump into your character, do it. That is cool. Oh, is that how it works? I thought it was just. Uh, I thought I'm not that sure they were if you just do it or you just watch them do it, but yeah. it it jumps to that first person's perspective to give you the, at least the illusion that you're doing it. Because it, from this trailer, maybe maybe it's me like being cynical, but it kind of looks like they're embellishing the camera angles for the sake of the trailer, and in it's reality, possible. you're just kind of, like you you can float your head wherever you want, but the actual gameplay is more or less a very stripped down version of tabletop simulator but with some cool animations tabletop simulator on a grid with a budget yeah eh. which uh should point out i i have come across a game that's almost exactly like this on steam uh oh it's probably demio Oh, this is this on Steam? Yes, there is Demio PC Edition. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> oh, well, I guess if I'm curious, that's where I'll check that out at. It is, it is $30. Uh, oh, swing and a miss, Sony. You tried. <laughs> no, I, I don't mean that. I do support games like this coming out on Sony VR 2. But damn it. Why would I do that when it's on Steam already? Yeah. Next up, they teased Ishin. Ishin. Uh, the next in the Yakuza series, Like a Dragon. Yeah, this... uh, uh, should mention, uh, Sega has said they are not using the term Yakuza anymore for the series. Are they just trying to distance themselves from, like, the world-renowned gang organization? I think that's, that might be it. That, uh, maybe because the games don't necessarily have anything to do with the Yakuza anymore. And also, yeah, it might be just an appearance type thing. They're trying uh, to save fate. Yeah. Uh, so they're, they're all going to be called like a dragon, which is just a, uh, that's, that's just the English translation of the Japanese title, which is Ryuga Gotoku. You're a nerd. Yeah, I am. Uh, also, I, this is a this is a remake of a 2014 game. So, I want to point out a trend where if the 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 Nintendo Direct was like anime farming sim games, Sony's was definitely feudal Japanese Ronin games. A lot of uh, we'll we'll talk about it in a second here, but this is not the only game that has this sort of feel to it. Yeah. And by the way, that's not me throwing shade by pointing out that it's a remake of a 2014 game because it's such a fucking cool concept of taking all the main characters from Yakuza and just putting them into, like, the Sengoku period. Oh, it's sorry, late Edo that, period. It's my understanding that each of these titles is the exact same place but going through different time periods. Yeah. And a big appeal is people can, like, see the world developing around them through the series. It's a it's a really cool idea. And I know people love these games. I'm sure it'll be successful. Which is more than what I could say for the next title they teased. 
which is uh, Hogwarts. You know, World of Warcraft. What if it was <laughs> the the Harry Potter experience instead? Oh, I I think that's what this game is gonna be, and I don't Something know because they didn't really show anything about it. I've watched literally no gameplay of it if any exists i don't think there's any that exists but they they said the name hogwarts and i guess people are supposed to be excited about that enough man i'm i'm happy that i took a big miss on that yeah i i saw the first like couple of movies and i was like all right that was that was fun uh okay bye and then they announced stalker 2 no i'm just kidding this is a game called Specific Drive, which reminds me of Stalker or maybe like uh, an Into the Rift or uh, a, a Tarkov, Escape from Tarkov kind of game. But uh, what if what if you were also in love with your car? So, yeah, there's actually a game that was kind of a YouTube bait thing uh, years ago, and it never really took off to, to major acclaim, but it's called Jalopy. And the gimmick is that you're driving this piece of shit beater of a car uh, across the country to check out this place that you've always wanted to go to your whole life. So you grab your dad and uh, you grab whatever car parts and fuel and, and oil and shit that you have in your garage and you just go out on the road and hope for the best. And over time, like, your tires will blow out, uh, your radiator will spring a leak or whatever. You have to fill your engine with oil and shit. And you have to find the these supplies that you need out on the road. And uh, you, you, like, sleep in random hotels and shit and have to buy gas. Uh, one that uh, got more popular was the Long Drive. Uh, very much the same concept, except you're in a deserted wasteland, and uh, it's also just made by one dude, and there's a dedicated fart button. Um, like any good game. <laughs> and there's a random chance that you'll instead shit, uh, and then you can pick up the poop and throw it, because why not? Uh, obviously, this is a little less of a piss-takey take on that game, and like you said, it has very strong, like, stalker sort of post-apocalyptic vibes and uh i think that's a cool idea i sure hope it's not on console only i could imagine this game being ported at least it looks like something that would find its home in multiple places like it doesn't nothing about it seems like it's a sony exclusive anyways yeah seems like if my summer car simulator like became a horror game i don't know yeah. how else to describe it yeah, it is It is very much like my summer car. Uh, it is coming to PC. They are calling it a road-like, which is road -like. a cute name. Yeah, that, that is kind of cute. I like that. That's cute. Next game that they showed off, I, I don't think I fully understand this, so forgive me if, I if, if I'm like fundamentally getting this wrong, is PlayStation Stars. And well, at first I thought it was like Sony's making their own NFTs, but I don't think that's quite it. But I don't really know what they're there for. Uh, yeah, it's basically Sony NFTs. But like, do you use them in game or are they just things to look like? They're just, what, they're just the, dumb trophies. I, 
I compared them to earlier was like a Smash Brothers trophy. Like you look at it and you go, that sure is a thing Sony did. Is that just a part of the OS now? Yep. Fucking weird, Sony. Why? Yeah, I guess it's something for people to spend money on. That's why. Pretty much. Like it's, uh, you'll just earn like these little collectibles and you can look at them. Uh, it's kind of cool. You get them for like getting major achievements. Like some of them will supposedly be tied behind being the first person to get a platinum trophy in a game. So, yeah, it's just so, meant to be like, like if you are the really cool guy, then you get this 3D model. What is it about Sony that makes me think like the owners just love pedigree? Uh, like, is that a part of their marketing, or am I just getting a vibe? That I I think you're you're right on track. Uh, Sony has always been one to look at form over function in a lot of ways. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I'm a Sony fanboy. Uh, at least a at least a not contemporary Sony fanboy, but uh, like mid two thousands. Sony fanboy. Groa uh, to this day walks around with a boombox on his shoulder. I own uh I own a, a floppy disk camera that is a Sony Mavica, and I own an actual Sony Walkman. Um I'm never going to use them in any any real capacity. But nice to have. Yeah, it's just I I love a lot about older sony's uh aesthetic and i feel like they've they still maintain that they still want to make their shit look good kind of like how the the ps5 looks like some kind of weird monolithic thing from the future and the xbox series x is a black rectangle place your video game obelisk in the middle of your entertainment system and worship it (laughs) Right. Uh, uh, a weird game that they announced. Unless you had anything else to say about PlayStation nope. Star. Nope. That's I was gonna. I was just gonna talk about uh, whatever the Induality. fuck this is. It's it's Armored Metal Gear Core. <laughs> also, that game that came out on Switch where you're a cop with like a a mech on a chain. I don't remember what it was called. Oh. But. Uh... It, yeah, it's it looks like it's gonna be like uh it looks like it's gonna play like uh, a less action packed armored core. Yeah, it, so, it it's like armored core, but if it was just a more generic third person shooter. It's not about customizing your mech, it looks like it's more about like keeping your your sprite friend Lolly happy. <laughs> it's like all the worst parts of a mech game, honestly. I'm I'm just gonna say that. And it's full of melodrama because Bandai Namco just fucking loves melodramatic anime bullshit. Oh, my characters are so relatable, I guess. <laughs> I'll probably play it because I... but it's it's very much my aesthetic, but I don't think I'll like I... it much. <laughs> there you go. I'll play it, but I won't like it. You can't make me enjoy this. And then they made Stellar Blade. Which looks like every other action game since the 2010s. Yeah, it... Honestly, looks like a skin of Devil May Cry. 
Wait, who made this? What is this? I don't know. Did they say who made it? Maybe they said uh, who made it. Korean Studio Shift Up. Uh, Never heard of Shift Up. No. Well, it's a Korean game studio. They're not actually too many of those. Uh, looks like it's a Souls-like. Yep. So. More of those. No. I, 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 eh. So, I will give uh, that it kind of looks like it might be more of my style than most souls likes because a lot of them are very slow and lumbering and this looks like it has a lot more of an emphasis on parrying which uh is something i'm a huge fan of so uh, i'll probably i'll probably check that out and we are almost done here i, I feel like this is almost a game that you brought up once before there is rise of the ronin which looks like it's going to be an open-world mashup of games like Ishan Like a Dragon and Assassin's Creed. Yeah. I feel like, specifically, this is all that the Assassin's Creed Japan game needs to be to be successful. Yeah, the, uh, it's... So, the I will say Team Ninja did correct some other outlets, and apparently IGN didn't read those those interviews. It is not going to be an open-world game, per se. Uh, oh. it is going to be open, but like they're basically the levels are going to be really big and that's, but you have to jump through paintings inside of the castle to get to different zones. We play video games. We know how this goes. Yeah. It's, uh, it's meant to be sort of a, a twist on the, uh, Neo formula. So it's, it's, uh, sort of they're trying to make their version of Sekiro, but uh, with a fine. more... Yeah. Totally like, okay with more Sekiro's. Yeah. I, I, I'm I'm not like... I'm not going to say I'm hyped for it, because I'm not sure if it's going to be my kind of thing, but I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm just glad that, like, Koei Tecmo is doing things other than just, like, Warriors games. Yeah. That's more diversity in a, a video game portfolio is never a bad thing. And let's face it, Sony kind of could benefit from it. Yeah, we, Just we definitely I, don't need we don't need any more farming games. Oh goodness, no goodness, no! Just because I almost glanced over it, I did want to say Stellar Blade. When you mentioned that you wanted like a T for Teen Rune Factory, this is the game that specifically came into mind. <laughs> the, the pixie looking lady who's got like. I don't just I don't how do you describe that outfit she's wearing? It's not practical. It's it's like wearing the bikini over the under it's fu it's fucking weird. Yeah. Damn it's it. It's like a sci-fi bayonetta outfit. <laughs> yeah. Good good for them. More of those. And then finally the last game on the Sony State of Play, which was like a fourth of the entire state of play, was God of War Valhalla. You know, I didn't is... even realize that you skipped over it because I care so little about it. <laughs> Uh, God of War. Yeah. I, I could have gone over it. Uh, this will definitely eventually come out on PC. If you are going to play it, I recommend waiting for that. I never even played the first one, even after it came out on PC. God of War. You know, it's it's Devil May Cry with, with an angry boy. Well, that... I don't get one. It's not even it's not even quite that though, is it? Because like they totally changed up 
like the feel of the combat versus with, with it being over the shoulder now i'd like, say totally yeah it's a little different it's a little more like third person shootery kind of feels pretty soulsy from the video uh i don't think soulsy is right this this isn't a game that wants you to to patiently wait for your chance to strike or learn any kind of pattern this is a game that wants you to to batter and then they'll take their turn hitting you and then you'll take your turn hitting them i see and and then get to a point where you have to spam the circle button and do the super cool cutscene kill oh so it's like so i guess yeah it's like uh, if you just had god of war but it was over the shoulder of kratos instead Hey, did he just shoot the moon out of the sky? No, he shot the uh, sun out of the sky. Yeah, because that's that's where the chariot comes from. Duh. Uh, I know we've like poo pooed on a lot of games, and I, I think a lot of these games deserve all the criticism that we've given them on first appearance. But of course, you know we we can't judge a book by its cover, and some of these games might actually end up being good. They certainly can't end up being worse than what they look like. Well, they could. They could. That's the the unfortunate <laughs> truth is they could. And uh, on, on that note, that was all that I really wanted to talk about. There there was a couple of other gaming factoids that we, we could like honorable mention. I don't think we really need to, though. We've gone on this long enough. Yeah, yeah. We've been here for uh, an hour and 45 minutes. That so... is a lot longer than most. Uh, oh, did, did you play or did you see anyone play Cult of the Lamb at all? Yeah, I'm, I haven't played it myself, but I am familiar with it. Uh, did you see that they announced a plushie? <laughs> no, I didn't, but I'm it not surprised a, by that. Is it adorable? It is adorable, and I'm strongly considering getting it. But my favorite thing about it is that if you buy the plushie, you get a free DLC code to add the plushie to your game as an effigy in the game. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Is it uh, a is it adorable lamb effigy or is it like scary red eye effigy? No, it is it is a very cute little lamb guy, uh, and he's he's wearing the the red cloak and he's got the he's got the red crown on his head. And he's, he's glad, just a happy little boy. Glad that game is doing successful. Like I I love everything about it. I I feel like a jerk because I haven't bought it yet, and I'll, I'll get it eventually. I'm positive, and I I just wish it the best of luck. Yeah. I just well, uh, thank you, yeah. For, uh, th- thank you for being here this week. Unless you had anything critical to say about uh, about your lamb plushie. No, no, I was uh, I wanted to give a positive uh, end to this since since we yeah. received this shit on game for the last hour. Yeah, funny how that always happens. Well, thank getting you. Getting too uh, old and everyone's... too cynical. That, that, no, it's not us that's wrong. It's the game studios that are wrong. <laughs> well thank you listener for for staying with us this long we will be back next week probably with nathan and uh whatever is going on news wise we'll, we'll cover it so uh until then goodbye uh goodbye